Good morning. And welcome to our first official post-Brexit sermon. <laughs> so here we are. You know, um, I'm told by some that it's the dawn of a new season politically, that brighter things are on the way. Bob Marley saying, time will tell. And I'm sure time will tell. But um, isn't it reassuring to know that in a world that's ever-changing and unstable, that God is un unchanging, that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, that the truths in his word are unbreakable, unshakable, and will never change. That's a great comfort in this day and age. Do we agree with that? Yes. yes. Uh, it's a bit of a lukewarm, yeah. I mean, I know, I know we've left Europe, but please don't get all overly British on me. Yeah? <laughs> Do we agree? that these trees are timeless. Amen. Good stuff. Uh, this morning, we are kicking off... Hallelujah. Thank you, brother. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so this morning, we are kicking off a new series on prayer. You may have been given one of these cards as you walked in. And we are focusing the first few weeks on the Lord's Prayer. Now... The words, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, surely must rank alongside the most famous words ever written, the most famous words ever said. I think it's a pretty safe bet to say that whether you're in church or outside of church, you would have come across those words before. You may well know who said those words and that they are indeed the start of the Lord's Prayer. So... I thought what it would be good to do as we're kicking off this series on the Lord's Prayer, uh, we're just going to play a song, which is some music which has been put to the text of the Lord's Prayer. And as you listen to it, let it wash over you, let the power and beauty of this prayer just wash over you, then we'll get into the message. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in Nothing is it is it is 
Jesus, we thank you for the Lord's Prayer. Thank you for what you taught us through it. I pray this morning as we look at the opening words of this prayer that our hearts and our minds would be open to receive from you, Lord, with greater intimacy and greater insight by the power of your Spirit for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen. So, this morning's message is called Adoration, and um, it's focusing on Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. So, which in the NIV says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So we've broken this down into three points. So if you have the next slide, please, Naomi. Thank you. So point number one, prayer is a natural part of life. Point two, 
prayer builds intimacy with our loving Father. And point three, prayer glorifies our awesome God. So if we look at the first point, prayer is a natural part of life. Now as Christians, we know that we should pray. I think most of us would agree with that. Can I get a very un-British, yes, we know we, yes, yeah? So, hallelujah, amen bro. So, we know we should pray, but, I don't know about anyone here, but I certainly have found the idea of praying to be quite intimidating at times. Especially when you're in a group setting. Have you ever been at your cell group? I've got a great cell group, by the way. You ever been into your cell group meeting, and everyone's praying, and then you know it's going to be your turn to pray? That, your heart kind of starts beating. You think, oh dear, what am I going to say? I need to say something which is going to sound impressive, something that shows that my prayer is really sincere, to show that I've got some kind of profound theological insight. What am I going to say? Everyone's praying so cleverly and impressively. And that can be a bit intimidating. I don't know if anyone's felt that way, but I certainly have. It's okay when you're by yourself in your room and you're kind of having that natural conversation with God, but then when there's people around, you think, ooh, it's a bit of an intimidation. And yet, we are to pray. And we're going to look at what Jesus says about how we should pray. But also, there is, for a lot of people, they only pray when they're in trouble, when something's wrong. Is that right? And when, you, when you are kind of on your last legs, no options, suddenly you fall to your knees and you start praying. But that's not how it should be. And we're going to look at what the Lord Jesus says. Now, if we look at being some of the routines that we have, which are a natural part of our daily life, eating, sleeping, drinking, what happens if we stop doing any of those things? Let's take the example of, of eating. What happens if you skip a meal? You might skip a meal, you might skip a couple of meals. What if you skip a couple of days without eating? What's the effect on you? We have a doctor here really looking at me. I'm not going to go into any uh, biological impacts, but um, we have, uh, but you'll have malnutrition, hunger pains, you become unwell, you may, you may start hallucinating. Eventually, you'll starve to death if you, if you avoid your food. You can go weeks without food, days without water, minutes without air. What happens if you stop breathing for a couple of minutes or more? Yeah, you get in trouble. Prayer, essentially, is the same thing. What happens if we stop praying? Gerard Cooper said, much prayer, much power, little prayer, little power, no prayer, no power. It's something that we need to integrate into our daily routines. And if we could look at the next slide, please, Naomi. So Matthew 6, verses 5 to 9. So these are the preceding verses. So when Jesus was teaching the people how to pray, this is all part of the Sermon, sermon on the Mount. So Matthew 6, chapter 5 to 9, says this. And when you pray... Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. 
for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, up on the projector here, with these words, I've highlighted when you pray in red. So in verse 5, when you pray, verse 6, when you pray, verse 7, when you pray. Now, this is using repetition, like a literary device, emphasising the importance of a point. When you pray, when you pray, when you pray. It's not if you pray, or you should pray, maybe you'll pray. No, when you pray. The expectation from the Lord Jesus is that we will pray. It's just a matter of fact. Tomorrow, we will eat breakfast, most of us. We will eat at some point tomorrow. We will eat. We will drink. We will sleep. It's an expectation. It's, it's a natural part of life. It's part of the essential routine of life that we will eat, sleep, and drink. And similarly with prayer, it should be an essential part of our lives, of our daily walk with God. And actually, God, it's a commandment that we pray. In Philippians 4, verse 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, Paul says that we should pray without ceasing. So these are very clear commands in Scripture that we are to pray and pray regularly. So it should be a natural part of our daily routine. And it, there's an encouragement to be had from this in, in the book of James, James 5.16. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So God hears our prayers. So they are essential to our well-being. And I love what Jesus says about that we shouldn't babble. So that kind of is a real comfort to anyone who's ever felt that prayer is a difficult thing, that you have to kind of perform almost. You've got to say big, impressive things. No, you don't have to. In fact, Jesus says, don't be like the, don't be like the pagans who babble, thinking that they'll be heard because of their many words. Because our Father in heaven, he knows what we need before we even asked him. So we don't need to actually pretend or impress, because prayer is not a competition and it's not a performance. I remember... Uh, years ago, uh, when I lived in Belgium with my family, I knew a guy there, who I, I, met, I met him a couple of times, but he was an American guy, uh, an old retired airline pilot. And he used to have a, a plane in North America and he'd fly around doing evangelism as a retired person. Very cool dude. And the rumor was that this guy had memorized the Bible. Can you imagine that? That was the rumour, that this guy had memorised scripture. I thought, is that possible? Can, can anyone really do that? And I remember one time he was at our house, he came to visit, and uh, his name was Buddy, Brother Buddy. These Americans call each other brother, sister, and all this. And uh, so he, we called him Brother Buddy. Now, Brother Buddy, I remember my dad in the living room of our house, he had his Bible, and Brother Buddy was sitting in, the, in another armchair opposite without a Bible, just there. And my dad was asking, Brother Buddy, what does this scripture here mean? And, and my dad's called Sam. He said, Brother Sam, you need to look at the next verse. And, and this was happening like across different chapters of scripture. I thought, wow, this guy really does know the Bible. And I had, um, over dinner one evening, I, I said to him, Brother Buddy, is it true that you've memorized the whole Bible? And he was very humble. He said, well, I've learned a little bit of it. 
But this guy, his, his biblical knowledge was incredible. He was very, very profound. But the interesting thing was, when I, I only saw him at one prayer meeting. And I thought, wow, this guy's a heavyweight. I wonder what his prayers are going to be like. He's probably going to really demolish the building with the, the force of his prayer. You know, he's, he's that kind of full of biblical knowledge. And what surprised me was, in the meeting, people were kind of, you know, doing really passionate, loud, long prayers, which was, if they're from the heart, that's great. But I wonder how, much, how many of those prayers were really from the heart, or how many of them were performances. Sometimes you wonder sometimes. But Brother Buddy went up into a corner of the room, looked out of a window, and he just looked up, and he prayed in silence. I thought, wow. That, when I saw that, I thought, it kind of took a lot of pressure off. I thought, wow, you know, your prayer doesn't have to be elaborate. And he was actually smiling, and he was at peace, and he was very serene, almost, in, his, in, in the way he was praying, in his expression. Almost like he was enjoying praying. I thought, wow, prayer is something you can actually enjoy. And that was a revelation to me. I thought, wow, it's actually... Then it made sense, because when you are talking with someone who you're intimate with, someone who you love, who you get on with, who, who, whose presence that you love... It doesn't become hard work to spend time in their presence or to converse with them. It becomes a pleasure. It becomes a joy. It's not a burden. It's something that's, ah, yeah, because when you think pray without ceasing, like it said, like Paul says, you think, wow, that's hard work. It's going to wear me out. But actually, if you think that you're actually in the presence of someone who you love spending time with and you're having that, that intimacy, it's free-flowing and it becomes a pleasure, not a burden. Which kind of goes on to our next point, uh, which prayer builds intimacy with our loving Father. So any relationship is only as strong as its communication. The more you communicate with someone, the closer you are to them. And it's the same with our, with our relationship with the Lord. The more time we spend in his presence, the closer we are to him. And uh, our Father is a declaration of intimacy so Abba Father, the old Aramaic root of that word, signifies respect, but it's also got a daddy element to it. Daddy, our dad in heaven. Uh, so we just recently ran a, a three-week series called Seeing God in Focus, where D.R. Domin Collins spoke about the father heart of God. If you haven't heard those, I, I recommend that you check those out online, because they, they were really beautiful insights into the father heart that God has for us. So God being our Father um, is an expression of intimacy, our Father in heaven. Now declare this over yourself. Say, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. It's good to declare that truth over, over us because there's a real um, security that comes in knowing that you're a child of God. Now, if you're a child of God, what does that mean? Well, it means that he, wants, he enjoys hearing from you. So you don't have to be intimidated to come before him because he's your child. Sorry, you're his child. <laughs> you're his child. And he loves, he loves it when we come before him. So there's a real... What, what accompanies intimacy, knowing who... Having that close relationship with your dad, is there's security that comes with that. There's a real security. So like you have permission to enter the throne room. You have permission. And it changes how you see yourself when you are a child of the Father. Uh, if I could have the next slide, please, Naomi. So what we've got up here is a couple of classic cars. We have a Volkswagen Beetle. We have a Morris Minor. That's at a, a Mauritian car show. I think, well, what's that got to do with intimacy? 
And what's that got to do with security from your father? Well, I'll explain. Uh, <laughs> so my father, when he was growing up in Mauritius, as a child, as an 11-year-old boy, he would take his father's car keys. My grandfather had a Volkswagen Beetle, just like that. So my dad, being an 11-year-old boy, took the keys to his father's car without permission. He would just take the keys and he would drive them around his local town. Sounds mad, doesn't it? But this is what he used to do. And he used to do it regularly. Take his dad's keys, drive around the local, the local area in Mauritius. What did the police do when they saw him? It's a small island. Did the police see that he was doing that? Yes. Did the police stop him? No. Did he ever get into trouble? No. Why not? Makes no sense, does it? Why, why, why are the police not stopping this dangerous road use? It's, 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 in, it's insane. Why? It's because they recognised the car and they recognised the number plate on the car, so they knew the household that that car belonged to. They knew that the driver of that car belonged to the household of my father's father, so my granddad. My granddad, in, back in those days, was very well connected, very, was a very powerful individual on the island. So, there's a lot of corruption, quite frankly. So, because the, it's the authority that my grandfather had in the island meant that his son was protected. His son could drive around without getting protected. And my dad had security because of who his dad was. So it's a flawed example in terms of the legality of that. But in a greater, grander sense, what's our security? How do we see ourselves? How do we identify ourselves knowing who our father is and that we can boldly come before him in prayer? In John chapter 1, verses 12 to 13, it says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. God is the perfect father. In 1 John 4, the Bible tells us that God is love. So if God is love... He is the perfect father. And our father in heaven, so our perfect father in heaven who loves to hear from us, the treasures of heaven are open to us because he loves to receive us. So prayer is something that is something not to be feared, but to be encouraged and to be enjoyed. To be enjoyed because our, our father is waiting to hear from us and the treasures of heaven are open to us for those who, who believe in the Lord. For those who have accepted the Lord Jesus, the way to the Father. And point three, prayer glorifies our awesome God. So our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So there's two parts to this, our Father in heaven and hallowed be your name. So the first part, our Father, it's the loving kind of intimacy part of that relationship. But hallowed be your name kind of goes on to a slightly different area. A, dic a Cambridge Dictionary definition of the word hallowed means to be very respected and praised because of great importance or great age. So God is great and his name is to be praised. 
Romans 10.13 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. In the great worship time we had this morning, there were a number of songs which emphasised the name of God, like Yahweh, which means Lord. Other names of, 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 uh, of the Father in Scripture, which carry real power, Elohim, God, Creator, Mighty and Strong, El Shaddai, God Almighty, the Mighty One of Jacob, I Am, just I am. I mean, how, how incredible is that? Just to say I am when, he, when God spoke to Moses. And in the book of Daniel, the Ancient of Days. I mean, these are grand, majestic, powerful names. So on one hand, we've got our loving father who loves to hear from us. On the other hand, we have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Creator. So the name of God is hallowed, sacred, holy, glorious, and worthy of adoration. It's majestic and in Psalm 68, verses 4 to 5, it says, Sing to God, sing in praise of his name, extol him who rides on the clouds, rejoice before him, his name is the Lord. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. And in Deuteronomy 10:17, it says, For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. Now, I was um, having a chat with DR in the week and this whole kind of contrast of this tender-hearted father and this mighty, awesome God kind of came up. And we're having a chat and DR said one word which kind of crystallised it. Aslan. I think, wow, Aslan. Okay, the next slide please, Naomi. So here we have Aslan, which in case you don't know, from the Chronicles of Narnia, so by C.S. Lewis. A really powerful and beautiful illustration of the duality of that, of that nature, where we have the intimacy of the lion, who you can, a child can go and hug his mane and just rest in him and play with him and ride on him and, and just, just be loved and cuddled by him. On the other hand, you have the mighty roar, which could shake the earth, and the enemies of Aslan are terrified. Just the name, just the name of Aslan, if you're, if you're familiar with the books and the films, like, oh, the enemies kind of tremble at just at the name. And yet, for his children, look at that, that intimacy. So there's a, real, there's a real love, gentle, and beauty of that relationship, and it's contrasted with the awesome power and the roar of the mighty, the mighty lion. And that's kind of how it is, really, with, with our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You've got the, the two halves of that, our Father, which gives us our intimacy and our security the more time we spend in his presence, speaking to him and waiting to hear from him. The closer we get to him, the more time we spend with him. And yet, the enemy flees. So there's real security and real um, peace that comes from knowing who's, who's got your back. You know, this, you, know, you know God has got your back, and yet he's so gentle, and, and, and you can be so intimate with him. So it's that, it's that, that wonderful duality of, um, of that. And I know we've got some, uh, a number of fathers here uh, in, in the church, recent fathers like Robin um, and Mike. Um, and I know a lot of, a lot of my friends um, who have their babies, they, 
are just so proud of their, of their children. They're so proud of their babies. And some of my friends on social media, their baby becomes their profile pic. You know, it's like there's a real, um, there's a real bond there, which, which is kind of how God sees us. He's so proud of us, sings over us. In, Ze- in Zephaniah 3.17, it says, The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. He rejoices over you with singing. And God kind of revealed to me a, a picture of, um, of a wallet. If, if God, if God has, a, has a wallet, you know those, wallet, those, those billfold wallets you open up and you've got a space for, your, for a picture, for a photograph, it would be your photograph in that wallet. It would be my photograph in that wallet. He carries us with him. He's like, he's thinking of us. If he has a desk in God's grand desk and he's got pictures of his family, it's his children, pictures of his children. We are there. That's how much he's kind of, that's the intimacy that he longs to have with us. So the question isn't really how intimate is God with us? How close is God to us? Because God's longing to be with us all the time. The question is, how close are we to God? How much time do we spend seeking him? How much time do we spend in prayer? How much time do we do that? And really, just want to just finish on this final verse from, from Hebrews. Hebrews 4.16, which says, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. Emphasising that we can approach the throne with confidence. We don't have to be scared or intimidated by prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. It should be a natural part of life and it should be easy to come before him because of his grace, which allows us to approach, to approach him boldly. So I just pray that you'd be encouraged by that and not intimidated because your prayers, we don't have to babble, we don't have to use big words. We can keep it simple. In fact, have you noticed how the closer you are to someone, the less you have to say sometimes? The better you know someone, you, you, you just look at them and you know how they're thinking, what they're feeling, what they need. They don't have to tell you. So the, the, the closer you are with someone, the less you have to speak, essentially. It should be a natural, effortless thing. By all means, what's on, as long as it's from your heart, God knows what's on your heart before you even say it. So he knows. You don't need to pretend. You don't need to pretend. Just be honest. Keep it real. Keep it as simple as you want to keep it. God doesn't need your prayer to be a polished cut gem it could be a rough it can be a rough diamond but it's still a diamond and god can mold it and shape it transform it just just come before him and let him work in your life so uh, i just close in prayer and say lord we thank you that we can come before you with intimacy i pray that you would help us lord to integrate prayer more and more into our lives as part of our daily routine that we would treasure it lord as a gift from you Lord, that we would spend more time in your presence and become closer to you. And we thank you for the gift that, that, that these words are to us, Lord. And we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen.